Thank you for joining us on the Entrepreneur Dad podcast, where we talk to entrepreneurs, high-level executives, and overall just people that are working their butt off to make a great living for themselves. In this, what we do is we examine their journey, their ups, their downs, their transitions, and also how to remain great spouses and loving parents while managing a full daily schedule. Thank you so much, and I hope you get tons of value out of your time with us. <laughs> That's right. How's everybody? All right, this is interactive. Um, I'm not a, a more coach than I am teacher. Um, so here's what I'm going to do. <clears throat> I'm going to give you guys a chance to ask as many questions as possible. This is not for me at all. I'm going to walk around. I'm going to look at you. I will probably call you by name at least one time during this whole thing. Okay, so the question I have for you first is, and I asked this question to a 16-year-old intern a month ago, and I asked this question to a 55-year-old guy that I interviewed last week. Yeah, get your names. You Salem, Madison, or Pete? None of the, none of the above. So um, here's the question I have for you, and I just want you to just shout it out. So what do you guys want to be when you grow up? Anyone? Business owner. What else? Business owner. Come on. Entrepreneur, great. Anything, well, anything else? So this, everybody in here either has an idea that they want to own their own business or be in leadership in some way. Is that right? Okay. So here's what we're going to do. So I'm going to give you some context about who I am. He gave you a little bit. I'm going to dig a little deeper from a background's perspective. And then also I want you guys to write down as many questions as possible. Because me talking about the way we've done things is great. But you have to understand that the only way you're going to get better is to ask questions from people that have been there before. I may not have been the exact place that you're going to go, but I've been somewhere before simply because I'm older, okay? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not a judge or a congressperson or a retired CEO like some of these other people that have come in here. So, and I asked Cheryl, and I was like, why am I coming? Like, why am I in here? <laughs> Those people have done so much more. That, but, but, I'm, but I am a little bit different because my, paths, my path is, has been crooked. Okay, and typically that's the way that's the way it's going to go. So, I was born and raised in Birmingham, Alabama. Okay, so from the time I was five years old, I knew exactly what I wanted to do, and it was coach college football. My dad was a coach for 37 years. I was on the sideline when I was five, and every fall from then until about six or seven years ago, I was on a sideline in a fall. That's what I wanted to do. There was nothing going to stop me. The only re- I could care less about school. I'm at a 16 on the ACT. Okay. I made a, a 3.0 kid. I did the work just because I had to do the work. The only reason I went to college is because I liked to play football, and I knew I had to go to college in order to coach. That's it. I'm very, very honest, okay? So I went to grad school. I even got a master's degree because I love coaching football so much. And so I knew that that's what I wanted to do. So I went to college. I played, college, played in college, loved it, all the intention of coming out. So I was like you. So I answered really quick. I want to be a business owner. College football, wanted to coach. That's what I wanted to do. So that's what I was going to do. So I moved to Atlanta, did the high school thing for a little bit, and then got a GA job at NC State University. Got, got married, had a one, have a wonderful wife who's involved in athletics as well. We get married, moved to North Carolina. So in college football, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when you get fired. So we got fired in North Carolina, at North Carolina State, and um, it was fine. No big deal. Six weeks later, I got a job for the guy that coached me in college. So in, the, so in January of two, 2007, about 12 years ago, I moved to a town called Cookville, Tennessee, and had no idea where I was going. Uh, and the, for the first six months, I hated it. And so I moved here, and for the first six months, didn't like it, but then I absolutely fell in love with this place. So I lived here for 11 years, and it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. I was a part of a lot of good things, a lot of big things at this place. Um, like he was talking about the first conference championship in 38 years. Um, got to work with some of the best people I've ever ever been around in my life. Um, still have great friends. Come on in. Morning. Morning. Um, still, uh, still have some of the great friends from that. Um, that championship program that you talked about, that championship team that you talked about, uh, the quarterback of that, te- of that team is in the room today. And so he's, a, he's an amazing human being as well. And so uh, I was proud to be a part of that team and proud to be a part of all those guys. So I started coaching and absolutely loved it. I got to coach a bunch of different things. Like he said, if you don't know anything about football, I coach wide, played quarterback, coach wide receivers, and then coach the offensive linemen. So it's total, it's like two different stratospheres. Coaching receivers and coaching offensive linemen to speak a different language. It's it's is it's as far away from each other as you can get. And so I did that. One of the most challenging things I've ever done, but also one of the one of the greatest things I've ever done. I ever, ever ever did. So I did that for about 
10 years in all. And then we started having kids. And so when you start having human beings, your life totally changes. Okay? Not in a bad way. It's just in a different way. Okay? You sit there and you scratch your head and you wonder what you did with all your time. But then you start looking at things through a different lens. So you, so you know how you are inside and then all of a sudden you walk outside in a minute and all of a sudden it's, it's, like, it's totally different because your eyes are looking at something different. When you have kids, your eyes start to look at everything, everything different from the music you listen to, the, the things you watch on TV. Like you start crying at like, you know, Disney movies because you've got a girl. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. Okay, so those things start to change in your life. And so when I had a second kid, I realized that I needed to do something else. In order for me to succeed and be a, a, a great father, in my opinion, I needed to do something else. And I didn't know what it was. So my boss walked into the office and said, hey, because I would already talked to him. I was thinking about letting, leaving. He walks in and said, hey, what are, you, what are you thinking about doing? I was like, I'm done. I knew that I needed to do something else. The problem is I didn't have a job. So I quit a job that I loved, making very, very good money, and I didn't have a job lined up. I do not recommend that at all. Okay? Do not recommend that at all. So I go from, you know, I don't know, $60,000 $60, a year to, to, to making about $35,000 a year at a church just simply because I didn't have a job. So a guy walks in my room. So let me, let me backtrack a little bit. So at this point, I am 30, 32 or 33 years old. And the only thing I ever wanted to do in my life was coach college football. And now I'm doing something and I have no idea how to do anything else. I studied history in college. Y'all heard me? You can't do anything with that. That's a degree in nothing. So I have a degree in history, and so I start to venture out in the world, and I have no idea what I'm going to do. And so I go work at a church. A guy walks in. So in that process, I got involved in CrossFit, and in CrossFit, they really forced nutrition down your throat, and so I started learning like really the back end and the, the holistic part of food and how to eat and all those different types of things. So I don't, I'm not a dietitian. I'm not a, any, of the, any of that kind of stuff. And so... A guy walks in my office and says, can you help me figure out how to eat? And I said, sure. So I made the guy a meal plan. He told his friend, and then I made him a meal plan. He told his friend, and then I made another one. And it was a domino effect from there. Four years later, thousands of people later, there are people in 26 different countries that have used our meal plans. I don't know, okay? So I worked at a church for about a year and a half, and my wife walks up to me. And I'm sitting at the kitchen table, it's about 10 o'clock at night, and she walks up to me, and she puts her hand on my shoulder, and she looks me in the eye, and she says, you're working coaching hours again. Because in coaching, it's an, it's an hours thing for about six months a year. You're 70 to 90 hours a week, depending on who your boss is. And it's nonstop. It's seven days a week from the end of July to the beginning of December. You're seven days a week. It's just, it just is unless there's an off week. And I go, no, I'm not. And I sat and thought for a minute. I was like, yeah, I am. So I was working at church 40 hours a week. I was coming home working... 20, 30 hours a week, and I was. I was working coaching hours again because I was building a business called Meal Fit. You know, I thought of the name in 10 minutes. And then I was doing that. And so everything I was doing was online, sending out meal plans to people. And I can get into logistics and the, you know, minutia of it, but that's not really what we're here for. So I started doing that online, and I went to my boss at the church. I said, hey, let me go part-time. And so I went part-time at the church. I cut my hours in half. And I started work taking those other 20 hours and started doing this. And it started growing like crazy. And I was in this little bitty town, but I was touching people all over the world. 26 different countries. There were people buying our meal plan from countries I had never even heard of. And I, was a, I loved geography and history. And so it was, it was growing. And so at this point, I had all the hot soccer moms in town say, hey, I'm not going to buy your meal plan, but I'll, I'll make the food if you start buying it. Because all I was doing was making food, posting recipes, posting grocery lists, and putting pictures on social media. There was no Instagram at the time. It was Facebook, a little bit of Twitter. That was it. So I started doing that, and it grew. And then I said, then I asked myself, I said, what can I, else could I do to grow? And so I rented out a 400-square-foot kitchen down going toward Jackson County, about a quarter of a mile from the Jackson County line. It was a barbecue shed, no heat, no air. And I worked in there for about a year and a half, and we started catering and doing meal prep. And that's before the meal prep craze kind of started. This was about six or seven years ago. And it grew. And then we moved to a space right down here, down Cedar. 
And so you could walk out the front door and you could see the university and see the hospital. And so we started doing lunch, we started doing meal prep, and we started doing catering. That grew. So let me backtrack a little bit. I'm from Birmingham. Never did I want to move back to Birmingham again. I lost nothing there. I loved this town. I've had three kids here. My kids are 11, my kids are 10, 8, and 3 right now. And I love this place. I never thought I would leave here. Let me tell you something right now. I never thought I would leave this town. But, and a lot of what I do is weaved in spiritually. But when God kind of moves your heart, you can't really argue with it. And so I, I felt a move to move back to Birmingham. So I moved back to Birmingham to, um, to start a business there. So we had a business there and a business here. And so I got asked to do the food for a small college. So now we do catering, we do meal prep, and we do food for a small college there. Okay. So those, the, we had our place here. We shut it down after a year. Uh, just didn't work. And so that's what I do now. There are multiple things that we'll go over throughout this. But that's the kind of the background of what I've, what I've done in business. Okay. So eight years ago, yeah, right at eight, uh, no, seven years ago. Is that right? Seven years ago, I was coaching college football. And here we have a business that we love to do. I love owning my own business. A lot of you said you want to own your own business. The best thing about owning your own business is you're, you're your own boss. I don't know that I'll ever go back to working for someone again. Not that the people I work for were bad. I like doing what I want to do. I left work yesterday at 3 o'clock. I'm here all weekend spending time with you guys, with my friends. I'm going to take my son to watch the game tomorrow. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. Now, you can't do that at the start because it's, it's not easy. But I, do, I get to do what I want to do, and that's the, it's, a, it's an amazing thing. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about, you guys have this is a leadership class, and I've got some like points here that I'm going to talk about. But the problem with leadership is it's a paralyzing topic because you hear so much, and there's so much information about leadership, from owning your own business to being a CEO to being a CFO, that it becomes paralyzing, that what it causes you to do a lot of times is it's information overload, and you just don't want to do anything because you don't know what to do because there's so many things out there that people tell you, this is the best way to lead this. This is the best way to lead that. And so what happens so many times is people get, they study and they plan and they meet about the meeting and they just want to plan more and instead of just freaking going and doing it. Figure out what you is, you is you want to do and go do it. I have no idea what it is. Everybody here will have something different that they want to go do, a business that they want to go own. I don't know what that is. I'd never in a million years thought I would own a business that, that does food. I am not a chef. I cook better than probably anybody in this room, but I'm not a chef. I'm a business owner. Okay. I've got uh, two chefs that work for me and another whole, a whole other staff that, can, that does that for me. So I'm not, a, I'm not a chef. I cook really well, but I'm not a chef. Okay. But I love managing people. I love the business aspect of it. And, and even at 39 years old today, there is a spirit of competitive nature in my body that wants me to keep growing. Okay, and so that's, that's a little bit who I am. Okay, so the, one of the pieces of advice I'll give you is to act. Okay, you got to act. Don't just be paralyzed by all the information that's out there. Um, because, let me say this, the pain of inaction stings a lot longer than incorrect action. Okay, meaning you not doing something will hurt a lot longer than you doing something and doing it wrong. It's okay to do it wrong. Okay, we've heard this analogy a thousand times. If you're a 300 hitter in baseball, they put you in what they call the Hall of Fame, which means you're the, one of the best that's ever walked the planet. Okay, so he's a guy that misses 70% of the time when he goes up to bat is one of the best in the world. So I'm not saying you want to be 30% at everything you do, but I am saying that you've got to act. You've got to do. If you don't have something going right now, if you want to own your own business, if you don't have something going right now where you're generating income, whether it be online or tangible or giving a service or making something, you are behind. My daughter's 10, and she's making money right now, selling bracelets. So I, I encourage you, not only do you need to be sitting in the classroom, because classrooms are great, but you need to go out and do. Because you're going to learn so much sitting here listening to him or listening to me or listening to whoever, or watching videos or YouTube and all that stuff. You need to go do. Whatever it is you want to go do, go do. And go figure out a way that you can make money, create income, and create a, a, 
a lifestyle based off of what you, it is you want to do. I'll say this. Don't go do something just for money, though. Okay? Because what will happen is as soon as you start doing something just for the money, you will get a pit in your stomach and a desire when you wake up in the morning and you'll go, I don't want to go to work today. You should never wake up in the morning and say, I don't want to go to work today. Now, I love what I do, but there are pockets of my day that suck. I hate answering emails from people that are stupid. I do. I hate it when an employee doesn't show up for work and I've got to go and do what he was going to do. That sucks. Just ask my wife because she hates it worse than I do. Okay? But just because there are pockets of my day that I don't love doesn't mean I, doesn't, I don't love my day as a whole. I walked home yesterday afternoon, had a couple things to go wrong yesterday morning. So I got pissed off about this, got pissed off about that. But I got home at 4, four o'clock yesterday and I looked at my wife and said, it's a freaking great day. It's a great day. Because 70%, 75% of my day was awesome. Okay? Next thing is, this is, a, this is a personal thing and I live by this. You can ask the friends of mine that are in this room. I live by this. Okay? If you can't lead yourself physically, mentally, and spiritually, you are probably not fit to lead somebody else. Okay? You are the most important person in your life. I've got three kids, Jonna, Tegan, and Georgia, and I've got a wife that's amazing. But you know what? I'm the most important person in my life because I am so valuable to them, and I know that. So if I don't take care of myself from a mental, spiritual, and uh, physical standpoint, that I'm not going to be very good to them. So I say that, and this is the brief version. Hey, exercise. Get better every day. Figure out who, what you believe in. Okay? You've got to get better every day. You've got to work your body because here's the thing. It's the only body you're going to get. Your body's the most amazing computer, computer in the world. Okay? You've got to take care of it. All right? That's my, that's my fitness talk for the day. All right? So I got seven things. Now, you will learn me. I am not a very, I'm not a theoretical guy at all. Okay, theory is great, but I, wanna, I want you to walk out of here, and I'm going to give you seven things. And if you can do one of them and apply one of them every day, I've done my job. Okay, but I'm going to give you these things, and some of these things you may be doing. If you're doing them, great. It's confirmation that you're doing the right thing. Not that I have all the answers, but these are not just my things. These are things I've stolen from somebody else and applied in my life. But I'll say this. All, every, all seven of these things I do. This is not speak, talk. These are seven things that I do. Okay, so I got it? Everybody with me? Say yep. Three of you. Everybody say, yep. yep. All right. So first, number one, take responsibility. When you get done writing that down, look at me. Everybody got it? Yes, it is your fault. It's your fault. If you're a business owner, if you're a head coach, it's your fault. If I'm a parent, it's my fault. And until you realize that and take responsibility for that, you're not going to go very far. Quarterback throws four interceptions tomorrow. It's offensive coordinator's fault. He probably put him in a bad position in some way. He probably didn't teach him what he's supposed to do during the week. He's got to take responsibility for that. Great example. Okay, I'm an example storyteller and guy. Great example. We've got an iPad that everybody uses at work to clock in and clock out of. Okay? iPad's broke. Somebody broke the glass on an iPad. It's going to cost me $100 to get the iPad fixed. All right? I said, who did this? Miss Kay did it. Miss Kay's a 50-year-old lady who's a wonderful lady. But she did it. I know she did it. But whose fault is it? It's my fault. Why is it my fault? I didn't have a case on the, on the iPad. I didn't spend the 40 bucks to put a case on the iPad to keep the iPad from getting broke. It's my fault. As a leader, you can find a way to make it someone else's fault in everything that you do. But until you take responsibility for all the crap that's gone wrong and you figure out a way to fix it, you're not going to go very far. Great example. We've got a lady that we cook lunch for all the time. She's a huge client. She spends thousands of dollars a month with us. And my chef didn't put enough on the menu. I left it up to her. And I called her. I'm like, hey, what happened? She's like, well, I wasn't sure about so-and-so. So -and -so -and -so. It's like, you know what? It's my fault. Because I didn't give her specific enough instructions on what she needed to do. 
And until you can take responsibility, you're probably not going to go very far. Second thing, quick comparing. This is under this quick comparing. Okay, I'm a really, really good golfer if I play with my eight-year-old son. I'm a bad golfer when I play with someone that's a pretty, that's, that plays once a week. I'm an awful golfer compared to Tiger Woods. When you start comparing yourself to other people, no one wins. Because you know what? There's always someone better than you at something. There's a better video guy than that guy back in the back. Okay? There he is somewhere. Come on here. Get in when you can. All right? So there's a better video guy somewhere than this guy in the back. There's a better business owner than me. There's, a, there's always somebody better. And until I realize that, you know, that's why I can't compare myself to anybody. The more you can compare yourself to somebody, the worse off you're going to be. The worst thing to ever happen to this, the worst thing to ever accentuate this is what? Social media. From chicks to wanting to look better, to guys that want to be bigger and stronger, to someone that goes and rents a Ferrari to take a picture in front of it for Instagram because he wants to look cool, to all those different types of things, okay? Quit comparing yourself because no one wins. Number two, okay? If you're the smartest person in the room, get into another room. For a long, long time, I was the smartest person in my business. And at some point, I hit a growth spot where I plateaued. You can never be the smartest person in the room if you're a leader and if you're the owner. Because like I said before, it's always your fault, no matter what happens. But what your job is to do is to hire people that are better than something that you are. I've got four great examples. So I'm a, I'm a good marketer. I've got a good mind for marketing, okay? But I hired a 22-year-old kid who's got more energy, got more time to do all of my marketing for MealFit. He does it all. You know why? Because he's got more time. He's got more wisdom. He's only 22. I, I'm 17 years older than him, and I've probably got a little bit more experience, and I teach him some stuff. But for the most part, he's smarter than I am about this stuff, and I know that. And so I pay him every month to do that stuff for me because I don't have time to, to analyze it all, and I depend on him. He's smarter than I am, okay? I launched another brand. I, had, I got tired of people coming to me not letting me do a wedding for them or a high-end event for them because the price point's higher because of my name. I've got a great name for Meal Prep and Healthy Catering. MillFit is a wonderful name. But MillFit is not a great name if, if Leslie's going to get married and she's got a $150,000 budget and she's going to spend $12,000 on food which is really, really common in the city I'm living right now, okay? So if you've got $12,000, you're not going to go to a company called MealFit and have me do your, your wedding. You're not. And so I sat there and I said, okay, what can I do to fix this? And so I talked to a bunch of different people. I said, we've got to start another company. I'm not going to change my name. I've got to start another company. And so I started another company that's totally different. All we do is high-end, high-price point catering. That's all I do for that. But you know what? I could have done the branding and I could have done the marketing for all that, but what did I do? I hired a girl, a 30-year-old girl in Birmingham who does that kind of stuff from a company called Hobson Ray. I hired her. I said, here, you got it. Let's sit down and talk about it, but you got it. And she hired it. She did the branding. She did the marketing. She launched it. She did all that stuff for her. Why? Because she's smarter than I am. Okay? The last example. I just hired a guy who's 16 years old. Suckers in 11th grade. Hell, I don't even think he's got a car. But I hired a 16-year-old kid to do TikTok marketing for me and all of my companies. Why? Because I don't know nothing about TikTok. How many of y'all know about TikTok? Yeah, Coach knows like that. I don't know nothing about TikTok. But I know that there are people that your age, that in the next three to nine years, you are going to be hearing about me and I want you to hear about me when you're this age so that in five years you've heard about me for four or five years and you know who we are and if you're not on Facebook because most of you are probably not on Facebook you're on TikTok if you can see me on TikTok and be familiar with my name and know who I am and then five years later when you get married or you're a CEO of a company in 15 years and you want me to come do an event at your place you're going to call me because you know me and you know my company but that's where you guys are right now that's where these high school kids are right now. A 16-year-old high school girl is going to get married in about seven years. I'm playing the long game on this deal. So I got a 16-year-old kid 
I'm like, hey, you got two jobs. You need to make me some TikTok videos for Milfit and Table in Time. What? I'm going to pay you. Figure it out. What do you want me to do? I was like, I don't know. I know we need to be on TikTok. Figure it out. Yes, sir. <laughs> you know? So, so I got to hire. He, he's 16. There's no way he's smarter than I am. But in this aspect, he's smarter than I am. And so I have to hire someone that's smarter than we are. So get into a room where you are not the smartest person. Now, here's the thing, too. Not only do you need to take in, but you've got to give. You need to do that with somebody else because there's something that you know in this world that no one else knows. Give that away to somebody. Help somebody else. Because if you're not, if you're just give, if you're just taking and you're not giving, you're not being, you're not going to grow. Okay, it's like the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea has no outlets for, for, for water. And so all it is is just intakes. It just intakes. Nothing can grow there. It just intakes. It doesn't outtake at all. Don't be the Dead Sea. So I got it. Number three. Everybody say number three. Everybody say number three. Number three. Okay. Learn every day. Apply as much as possible. Learn every day. Apply as much as possible. We are a society that wants and desires knowledge. We want to know about things. The news cycle right now goes like this. Everything's new all the time. Put on your calendar every day time to read. I'm not a digital guy. I read books. I got an app called Google Lens that are underlining books. I put the Google Lens on my book. I send it to my assistant. My assistant puts in a file of all the things I underline in my books. So I can have that. It's categorized. It's a long process. It works for me. Okay? So I do those things for me. I read books. Read every day. Learn every day. And apply as much as possible. If you read a 250-page book and you pull one thing out of that book, it is worth it. About seven years ago, I read a book by Jay Abraham called it Getting Everything You Can Out of All You Got. If you want my book list, I'm more than happy to send it to you. No problem with that at all. I've got every book I've read with links, title, and author on it. I can send it to you. I read a book called Everything, Getting Everything You Can Out of All You Got. I lived here. He said he gave me, a, it was 350 pages, and it was a page and a half on a technique used to capture a market and to get people into your door. I applied that, and over the course of two months, it made me $40,000. The book was $12. I remember about two or three other things from the book. But a page and a half out of 350 made me $40,000 over the course of about two or three months. Is it worth it? Was it worth it? You can, you can nod your head, okay? So learn every day and apply as much as possible. Here's the thing. You need to apply. When you're going to apply stuff and it's not going to work and it's okay that it doesn't work, okay? That's the way you learn, Okay. I think, I think it's Nick Saban, and a lot of my stuff is football stuff. I think Nick Saban said, never waste a loss. Never waste a loss. The guy doesn't lose much, but never waste a loss because there's always something you can pull from what you did wrong so that you can be better. So let's don't waste a loss, okay? All right, so let's go back real quick. Make sure you got it. Take responsibility. It is your fault. If you're the smartest person in the room, get into another room. Learn every day. Everybody say number four. Okay, this is for business owners and leadership people. Save first, save first, and don't go into initial debt. I'm getting super granular, but that's okay. Grow slow and grow steady. Grow slow and grow steady. Save something from every dollar that you make, no matter what situation that you're in. Because here's the thing, if you save when you're broke, you'll save when you're rich. No matter what, put money back. I don't care if you make $100 and you save a dollar. Put something back out of every dollar you make because there's going to be a point when you need to take that money and do something with it, whether it be to bail yourself out of a hospital bill or to invest it back in your business. I don't know, okay? Along with this, live broke. I'm going really granular on you, okay? I hope you don't mind. Live broke. When you create income, whatever your cycle is, whether you're a monthly cycle, a, a monthly cycle, a weekly cycle, a quarterly cycle, whatever it is, live broke. So what I'm saying is whatever money you intake in your business, after all bills are paid and after you've paid whatever it is you paid, 
Take everything else and get it out of your sight. Take it, put it into another account, put it in sewer or something, because this is just me. This works for me. I love seeing a very, very low number in my bank account every month at the beginning of the month. Why? It makes me work harder. I know I got money in the bank. But me seeing 1500 bucks in a checking account, that's my business checking account, makes me work harder. So anything money that I have left over, I distribute it to other places so that I physically can't see my working capital checking account. Okay, am I making any sense to anybody? Okay, it's a technique I learned four or five years ago. I applied it. it been, it's great for me. It is mental. It is a mental game. But you know what? Life is a mental game. And you've got to figure out what works for you. Because what works for me may not work for Melvin. You know, then Emily may take what I just did and may go apply it. It may change your life. I have no idea. I'm just trying to give you things that I think that you could possibly use. We do this in our family. We do this in our business. And it works for us, okay? Um... Because here's the thing, when you start a business, initially, when you first start your business, your time is very, very cheap. My time right now is very, very expensive. And I'm going to be 100% honest with you, I would not have come up here if I didn't have a whole weekend to spend with my family to go to the game. So I'm piggybacking this trip, use this trip, off of doing something else that I love. Because I probably would have not have driven three and a half hours one way just to talk to you. You know why? Because I can be at home making a lot more money. I love y'all. I don't know you, but I love you. But I love seeing the people that I've spent the last 11 years with too. But initially, your time is very, very valuable. So use your time that's very, very valuable now as much as you can to learn as much as you can. I can't spend 95 hours a week right now working and making money. I can't do it. You know why? Because i got four human beings that depend on me that need me. i got an 11-year-old, an 8-year-old, and a 3-year-old. That My primary job is to make great citizens out of them. And if I'm gone, I can't make them great citizens. So I've got to be at home. I've got to be at home. I work probably 50 or 60 hours a week. You know why? Because I wake up really, really early and work before they get up and exercise before they get up. And I work a little bit after they go to bed sometimes. But I bust my balls during the day, pardon for the term, during the day because that's when I work. But I've got to be home to raise those kids and to love that wife because that's my primary job. But for a while, I'm going to be honest with you, when I didn't handle kids, my boss and when I was in North Carolina was from the NFL. We worked 95 hours on the low end every week, 105 hours most weeks. 7 o'clock one night on a Friday night. Friday night's a slow day in college football. 7 o'clock on a Friday night. I'd been there at 6. I'd been there 13 hours already. He said, hey, Thomas, get out of here early today. Go take Jackie to dinner. I said, Coach, I've been here 13 hours. Yeah. Go ahead. Get out of here. No concept. I could not have done that if I had three kids, could I? I could have. Wouldn't have been a very good dad. But spend your time when you're young working as much as you can, progressing as much as you can, learning as much as you can, because you're going, you're going to reach a point when you can't do that. And if you're still doing that when you have a wife and multiple kids, you're probably going to end up divorced. Because I don't care what anybody says, everyone needs time. Everyone needs your time in some way, shape, form, or fashion. Number five. Everybody say number five. Number five. Ask questions and spend money on people. Ask questions and spend money on people. What does spend money on people mean? What does that mean? Anybody, no wrong answer. I'm not going to bust your balls if you say something wrong. What does spend money on people mean? Anybody? Give to others. It's good. What else? Anything? Absolutely. It's good. Hey, Jay, why don't, can I, why don't we do this? I mean, let me go buy you a cup of coffee. Let me, you, got, you got 30 minutes I can spend with you? I'll, I'll, buy, you, I'll buy you lunch. Stuff like that. Go sit down for 30 minutes, make a relationship with Jay, and then ask him two questions. Hey, so, so tell me about what do you, what do you, what do you do? Where are you, where are you from? Like, what, what do your folks do? Why, why do you want to own your own business? Figure something out. Ask a question. Ask a bunch of questions about somebody. Because there's always, again, I go back to another point. There's always somebody that knows more about something than you do. So you need to find that person that knows more about something than you do. You need to ask them questions. 
When I went from coaching wide receivers to the offensive line, like I said, it's like speaking Spanish and Greek. They don't mix. So I had to go, what did I do? I went and visited and spent hours and a lot of my money too on going and figuring out how to coach that position. Okay? So I spent tons of time doing that because I, I didn't know it all. So I spent time and I spent money on asking people, hey, how do I do this? What's the best way to do this? Because you, you may be in a niche where there are not many people who have done it. Well, find somebody. Find somebody who knows more about it than you do and go spend money on them and ask them, okay? But ask a lot of questions and spend your time on, on people. Everybody say six. six. This, is a, this is more theory, but I'll, I'll tie it in. You've got to have an infinite mindset. You have an infinite mindset. So when I first moved here, we moved into an apartment simply because I thought I was a big shot and I was going to get another bigger college job somewhere and make all kinds of money and all this stuff. So we moved into an apartment. Whatever it is you're doing, you have to have an infinite mindset. I tell these people this all the time. When you move somewhere, plant trees. I lived in, a, I lived in the same house for 10 and a half years in, in, here in Cookville. And I never, my kids always wanted us to plant apple trees and pear trees. And I never did. The reason I never did is because I always thought I was going to get, and the next season I was going to get another job and go somewhere. I was, there 11, I was there 11 years. I should have planted trees. I didn't have an infant mindset at the start. You guys, what it says is be where your feet are. Whatever it is you're doing, have a thought process of very, very long term. Because what happens when you don't have a long-term thought process, you take shortcuts in what you're doing. And when you take shortcuts, the base of what you're building is not, as, not always as strong. That's why college football right now is so hard, because they're firing guys that have been there a year and a half. Got Florida State got fired this week, been a year and a half. Good decision, bad decision, I don't know. I have no idea of the guy. Okay, What's up, girl? Come here. No, come here. Come on. I haven't seen you in so long. This is an amazing lady. If you don't know this lady, you need to sit down and buy her a cup of coffee, okay? <laughs> so the, why, do, why do they do that? Because a lot of times they don't have an infinite mindset. They're thinking right now. We've got to be good right now. It's okay to suck for a little bit. You can't suck long, okay? So you've got to have an infinite mindset in what you're doing because if you have an infinite mindset, you'll grow slower, but you'll grow stronger and you'll grow longer. Does that make sense to anybody? You've got to think infinite. Last thing. Everybody say number seven. It's going to be really, really hard without a team. It's going to be real, real hard without a team. So what happens is a lot of times is um, people that own businesses, <clears throat> they try to do things themselves for a couple reasons. A, they're the smartest person in the room. And B, they don't think they have the money to hire somebody else. Okay? Let me say this. You've got to have somebody that can help you. You've got to have somebody that knows more about something and put them on your team. Put them on your team. You can't do it by yourself. You can do it a little bit by yourself. I will say that. You can do it a little bit by yourself. You can fulfill orders. You can answer customer emails. You can do your own social media. You can manage your books. You can do all that. i got a tax lady. I don't even know what I pay her. I don't even keep up with it. I pay her whatever she wants me to pay her. I don't care. Because you know what? I don't fool with sales tax. I don't fool with income tax. I don't want to fool with excise tax. I don't want to fool with LLC tax. I don't want to fool with that. I don't know anything about it. You think I want to figure out how to pay taxes? No. I got other things I can do. So I pay her. I don't even care what she charges me. I just pay it. How much are you? Okay. Because I got to have a team. You know how much time that would eat up if I had to figure out how much sales tax to pay, how much excise tax to pay? I don't even want to think about it. I don't want to, I don't want to do all the social media posting. I got a guy that does that right there. I want to market my, my new catering company. I got a girl that does that. She does great at it. You can't do it without a team. You can do it for a little bit, but at some point, you are going to have to hire a team to help you do the things that you need. I got a girl that I have its own salary, okay? All she does is help me. What is that? Oh, I got a list of things, but then I walk in every day and say, oh, we sit down every day, and I just sit down. I prop my feet on the desk. You like my socks? I probably feel on the desk and I go, all right, let's do this, this. And I just rattle things off that she needs to do that I don't want to do, that I can't do. I don't understand QuickBooks. 
She goes, how do you do this? I don't know. Look it up. It's your job. I can't understand everything. I don't have the brain capacity to understand everything. My job is to meet people. My job is to love on Josh and make Josh feel like he's the most important person in the world so that I can build a relationship with him. So he can spend money with me. I can spend money with him. It's the circle of life that goes around. That's my job. I can go cook, and I cook really, really good. I can go cook, but I ain't, if, if I'm cooking, we ain't making no money. Does that make sense to everybody? So you can't do it without a team. You've got to have a team. You can do it for a little bit, but you can't do it alone without a team. All right, recap, and then you ask questions. You get your questions ready, all right? Take responsibility. Everybody say, take responsibility. Number two, if you're the smartest person in the room, get into another room. Number three, learn every day. Apply as much as possible. Number four, save first and don't go into initial debt. I got them all over the map on this stuff, but this is good, I think. Okay? Number five, ask questions. Spend money on people. Have an infinite mindset. It's going to be hard without a team. All right. I'm done. Start. Ask questions. Let's do it. Yes, sir. Shane, go ahead. For sure. Wonderful question. So I had the. I was arrogant enough to think. So my our kitchen there is on the busiest street in Alabama, literally the busiest street in Alabama. If you say Highway 280 to people that are from Birmingham or anywhere around Birmingham, they just go, oh, millions of cars every day that go down that road. And I was arrogant enough to think that just because I had a place on that road that everybody would come to get my food because my food's so awesome, okay? And it's just off the road. It's on that road, but it's just off the road. And I tried to do retail for about a month and a half there, and I looked at the girl that came down there to help me start, and I was like, what are we doing? This is freaking nuts you got to be a Navy SEAL to find this place. Why? Because people are about convenience. Like, start, you know what the biggest, you know, biggest um, requirement for where Starbucks puts a coffee shop? Biggest requirement for where they put a coffee shop. What's the morning traffic like? What's the morning traffic like? They're not going to put a Starbucks on the other side of the road if the traffic is going this way they're not going to put it over here because of convenience. And so I'm about 300 yards off the busiest street in the state of Alabama, and we had no retail business. And I go, what are we doing? And so I had to, I had to shift. It took me about a month and a half, and I was stubborn for about a month and a half, two months. But I pivoted out of that, and I said, listen, stop our retail marketing dollars and stop our retail efforts, and let's put every effort we have into more meal prep and more catering. And so you have to see what the market dictates to a certain extent and then meet that. So here, you walked out the front door and I could see Tennessee Tech and I could see the hospital. And I had got people every day, same people every day. Bob, the guy named Bob, come in every day and Bob ate every day with me. Bob gave me 10, 12 bucks a day every day. And I had 20 or 30 people like that and there was a lot of people that cycled in twice a week. And so I made, I'm going to be honest with you, I made 1,000, 1,500 bucks a day every day down there. It was good. Not all my business, not a, but a portion of my business. And so I thought I could do that there, and I couldn't. And so I had to pivot out of that and start doing something else. And so the market kind of dictated me to go into a different direction. Does that make sense to you? Does that answer your question, Shane? Yeah. Okay. What else? Come on. Miss <coughs> Cheryl. Go, go, Christian. How have you been able to filter and find like the right people to work for you? Like, what's your process? Or not necessarily the hiring process, but yeah. So the greatest thing about owning your own business is people. The worst thing about owning your own business is people. It's the hardest single thing I do in my job. Hardest thing, hands down. Because if the people that you hire suck, you're gonna suck. Okay. So how do you filter that through? <sighs> Recommendations are not very good because what happens is if I could tell you to give me references, you're going to give me three people that you like. Okay? Um, 
So what you've got to do is you've got to dig a little deeper. The first thing I do when I, someone sends a resume in or someone says they want to come work for me, the first thing I do is look on their social. Look on their Instagram, look on their Facebook, look on their Twitter, look on all that stuff. Because if you're acting crazy, smoking blunts, and staying up late, and got chicks all over you, or dudes all over you, I'm not hiring you. No questions asked, hands down, not even going to get to the interview process. Okay? So don't be stupid. There are people that are losing millions of dollars because of something they said in 1999 because they made a racial comment in 1999 about whatever that wasn't even a big deal. Okay? So take care of, don't be stupid on social media. I know you're young, but don't be young and dumb. Okay? So to answer your question, it is a discernment process with us. I have to discern and sit down with you and say, okay, I got to get a feel for you relationally. So the first thing I do, and I'll give you a little bit of our process. The first thing I do is I interview them with someone else. I have someone else. Come on here. I have someone else that comes in with me. The second thing I do is I always do a, t a working interview. I don't pay you. And you come in for at least two hours and work. For anybody from an administrative standpoint, I give them a test. And on the test, it's got things that they do. I lock them in a room for an hour and say, go. And sometimes they do great and sometimes they do awful. But I have to test people and see if they know what they're doing. And some people lie their butt off. One girl was like, yeah, I did so-and-so at this place and so-and-so at this place. And she came in and I didn't give her enough tests. And she, she, didn't, have, she didn't know which end of the knife to hold. It was awful. So you're, it's, it's the hardest thing you do. I've done some stuff online, and some of it's worked, and some of it sucked. You know? So it just, it just depends on what your industry is. But you've got to have discernment. And I would say if someone's not willing to come in and do something for free to see if they like it, because I tell them this, hey, this is as much an interview for you for me as me interviewing you as you interviewing me. You've got to see if you like this place. Okay? The second thing is on that, bring them in at the time they're going to have to come in. Okay? If they have a job they've got to be there at 6 o'clock in the morning, don't have them come in at noon on an interview. A guy I learned this from a guy that owned a bread company. He had a bread company in the, in the factory. ran 24 hours a day, 51 weeks a year. They shut down one week a year to uh, clean and do stuff. But he had a shift that came in at 2.30 in the morning. Okay? So he, he said, I would, I would interview these people, and I would have them come in at 7 o'clock in the morning for the interview, and we'd go through the interview, and it's great, great, oh, yeah. And I say, what time have you got to be here? Tonight, shift starts tomorrow at 2.30. 2.30 in the morning? Yeah, 2.30 in the morning. And he said, people want to show up? So he said, I started doing interviews at 2.30 in the morning because that's when their shift was. So little things like that are good that, that you just learn along the way. So, oh, Yes, sir. Sasha? Holy crap, I hate this question. Um... Okay, my favorite book of all time is Traveler's Gift by Andy Andrews. If you've not read that book, it's the most amazing book you'll ever read. I've read it four or five times. Traveler's Gift by Andy Andrews. It is a life principle book. It's a business principles, all that kind of stuff. Um, okay, if you're going into business, the best practical business book I've read in a long time that I just got so many different good things about it and overall arching was the book called The E-Myth. Okay? And so what he talks about in that book, I'll give you the, the, the rundown. Of what he talks about in that book is making your business systematized from day one. I'm going to be 100% honest with you. My business is not as systematized as it needs to be, so I'm fixing to spend a bunch of money on systematizing my business, meaning I've got a business and I've got systems in place and laid out so if I pick you, you, and you, you could come into our business and at least have a decent idea of how to run it. Okay? Because if you've got common sense and confidence, you can go a long way in this world. Common sense and confidence. So I have to have systems in place. But that book right there gives that in a broken down form. For a business owner, man, I can't, I can't stress that enough. That's one of the mistakes I made, and I'm still not totally fixed with that. So, What else? Yes, sir, go ahead. Think and Grow Rich, Good to Great, um, all the ones that are like the, the big, you know, see on Instagram, oh, the best business books. I probably read 80 or 90% of them. Um, yeah, a lot, and a lot of them are great. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, things like that. Yeah, and so all of them are great. What they do is, again, if you draw one page and something that you can apply that makes you better, it's worth it. I, I mean, I'm, I'm always reading something. I'm reading Simon Sinek's new book about an infinite mind, mindset right now, and I'm also reading um, 
Simon uh, Tillman Fertitta, the guy that owns Houston Rockets. Okay, I'm reading his book. It's really, really good. So I've got two things that I'm going right now, and I'm reading another book about making my kid a better kid. What else? Yes, sir. For sure. At that time, right in the beginning. So when is the right time? Like you have to realize that, like, hey, is it time to hire a new guy, and I can do something else, right? And I'll be still making more money. Right, for sure. But initially, that's not going to be true. Okay. So what you what you may may have to do is you may have to take a little bit of a cut and pay, in order to hire that person. But most of the time, you're going to have to take one step back in order to take two steps forward. Because you are going to take, you are go from a, a, a bottom line, a bottom line of here, to a bottom line of here when you hire that one person. Because just because I hire Jay doesn't mean that my increase, my revenue is going to increase immediately. I've got to have, Jay has got to go and Jay's got to work and Jay's got to help produce that income, or Jay's got to do X, Y, and Z so that I can go produce more income. So it's going, it's, it's not an initial process. It's not an initial initial thing. So you got to be patient with it. But I think when you get to the point of where, where your business flatlines because you're having to do all the things that are not income producing as the owner, that's when you think, okay, I've got to pump the brakes and go get somebody to do these things. Now, I'll say this. If you've got a business that's super technical and it can, there's, there's a lot of minute tasks that can be done from someone that doesn't take much training, I would hire VAs. Okay, everybody knows what a VA is? If you don't know what a VA is, Raise your hand. Raise your hand. It's okay if you don't know. Holy crap. There needs to be a whole course in this university about hiring VAs and having VAs. VAs are people in other countries that will work for a low, low rate and do tasks, and they're better at these tasks than you are, and do tasks for you so that you can't, don't, don't have to do them or you don't totally understand them. Okay? But most of the time it's things that you know how to do that you can train them how to do digitally. I've got a guy that, that grosses $140,000 a month. And his whole business is him and five VAs. 140 grand a month is his gross. Now his net's probably 30 or 40K, but he produces $140,000 a month. It's him and five VAs. They live in the Philippines. His highest paid girl makes $3.50 an hour. And she's a rock star over there. That's a lot of money for her. So if you don't understand that mindset, y'all need to Google it, get on Pinterest and Facebook and figure out that world because that world will save you a lot of money, a lot of time, and a lot of heartache. Help answer your question. Yeah. What else? Yes, sir. You talked about uh, leading yourself before you lead other people. Yes, sir. Um, how do you keep yourself in check mental, uh, mentally uh, when you get tired? Keep going. Um, so I wake up really, really early. And I get things done before the day starts because there's so much clutter. No one's emailing me and text messaging me and all that stuff at 3.30 in the morning. So I get tons done then. But I also go to bed at 9.30 at night. There is a certain way. You can push yourself so far, so long, so far at five and a half hours of sleep. I'm a six, seven-hour sleep guy. That's where I can roll. That's where I'm good. you got to learn what that is. No one in the room is a nine-hour sleep person. You don't need nine hours of sleep. No one in the room is. If you are, if you're saying it, you're lying to yourself. So you got to figure out what that, what that is for you. But you also got to learn how to be productive. The most energizing thing that you can do for yourself is exercise. Exercise and eat good food. And I, that, that's not just what I do. I live that too. But if you can exercise every day or however many days a week and you can eat properly, you're going to fuel that machine. And if you can fuel that machine properly, you will have more energy than the average person. I do. I have more energy than the average person. Okay? But I eat really good. I exercise every day. You know, I keep my life in pretty good balance. I love to, but I love to work, y'all. I love to work. And so having my energy, there are days where I will go four hours of sleep, four hours of sleep, five hours of sleep, four hours of sleep. But every, everybody gets to a certain point when they have got to pull back and go, okay, I need more sleep or I need more rest. I don't need a bunch of rest, but my body tells me when I do need that rest. Does that make sense? The biggest thing you have to do is you have to be structured. You cannot let your time tell you what to do. You need to tell your time what it wants to do. And so if you're not structured and you can't tell people no, you're going to fail. You gotta be able to tell people no and say, oh, I can't do this, this is what I gotta do. A lot, of, a lot of successful people in life have told a lot of people no because they can't do things because they are more important things. There's a Bible story I could tell you, but I don't have time to do that. What else? Anyone? Yes, ma'am. 
I would tell my 21-year-old self, because at that point I was still in college, I would tell my 21-year-old self to learn more about what it is that I wanted to do. I was 21. I thought I knew everything, or I thought I knew a lot, and I didn't spend as much time as I should have learning from the people that were coaching me. I wanted to be a coach, a college football coach. My college football quarterback coach was a Heisman Trophy winner. There's like 40 or 50 of those guys walking the planet. I didn't learn as much from him as I should. I should have asked him more questions. I didn't do that. Not that I was super arrogant, but I didn't ask enough questions to him. But I thought that's what I was going to do, and so I, sh- I felt like I should have learned more about that. School was super easy to me. I studied, but school was not very hard. Y'all, school ain't hard. If y'all think school's hard, y'all put too much pressure on yourself. School ain't hard, okay? Because I ain't never looked at a GPA. Work hard, do the right thing, but figure out a way to ask questions because most of you are not going to be teachers. If you're going to be a teacher, that's great. But look to where you're going to go and figure out how you can get better at that thing. Who else? Anyone? Yes, sir. How to learn from my mistakes. The other night, we had a wedding for 130 people. We had a couple things go wrong. And so I look back and I go, ask me and my staff, I go, how can we have fixed these two things? Because I looked in the middle of it, these two things. Very, very simple things. And then I also had people in the room that I trusted, and I got feedback and asked them, hey, what could we have done better? My, one of my best friends in the world was at the, at the thing, and I said, hey, what could we have done better? He said, the food was amazing. The service was great. He said, but you and none of your staff looked happy. He said, you need to have a happier look on your face while you're in the room with people that could, could be your future clients. And so there are obvious mistakes that we make that we can correct, but then there are also you have to, I think you have to get feedback from the people around you, whether it be your staff or people that have been involved in whatever it is you're doing. So does that help? What else? Anyone? Yes, ma'am. Um, okay, so with our plan, it sounds like most of our plans are for our own business, but obviously it's really different if the food's better than the air that you get. For sure. Great question, yeah. So what, I mean, if that's your ultimate goal, then what should you do for that? Like, cause shouldn't you try and do something else in order to do? But if it's not your dream, then just about all the time, the, your next job out of college, when you graduate, it's not going to be the job you do for the rest of your life, and that's totally fine. But I would say this. Go get a job to make money. Go get a job to make money. Work at Lowe's, deliver pizzas. I don't know. Go get a job, flip stuff on eBay, go to yard sales. I don't know. But find a way to make money so you can keep your power bill on and do that. But after you have your job job, okay, you got your job job, but when you leave your job job, you need to have a job job that you can leave. That when I left, leave that job job, I ain't got to worry about nothing else on that job job. Okay? So create income from a job job that you can live and pay your bills, but then go work on whatever it is you're working on. It's not, it may not make money for a while. It's okay. I may have made 8000 bucks the first year with MealFit. 8000 bucks. That's not a lot of money for a 12 calendar year. But you know how much we made the second year? 80 But I still worked a job job. Made $35,000, made $8,000 on top of that, working at night, whatever. The next year, I worked six months, I made part-time, made about 20 grand that year, but I had a lot more time spent to it. I made 80 more. So I went from eight to 80, and we were one to year two. Why? I didn't go take out debt and go say, this is my job, this is my passion. You know what? I love passion. Passion's great, but it's the most overused word in our society today. Okay, but passion will make you broke quicker than anything. You got to be practical about what you're doing. You got to take care of your family. You got to take care of yourself. But don't go take out debt that's going to haunt you the rest of your life because you have a passion to follow. No, pay your bills. Okay, I'm being super real with y'all. Okay, so get your priorities in line. Take care of yourself, but then also do the things that you love on the side. Like I give you a guy. There's a guy in the room who loves to play golf. He loves to play golf. 
But the sucker doesn't go play golf all the time. You know why? Because he's got a job job that he loves. I know He would play golf every day if he could. Right, Trey? But you know what? He's got a job. He's got to take care of his family and take care of his life. So figure out what you can do to make money and then work at the other hours, other 18 hours of the day, getting better at whatever it is that doing. If you want to be a gamer, go be a professional gamer. If you want to own a pizza parlor, own a pizza parlor. I don't know. But figure out a way to do both, and you're going to have to say no to something. You're going to have to say no to some people. You're going to have to say no to whatever. Okay? That's a great question, though. But don't go into big debt because you have a passion to follow. What else? Anybody? Anyone else? Awesome. Thanks. Thank you. Yes, sir.